Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this joint Our Line Starts podcast slash hockey happy hour production. Liam McHugh alongside Eddie Olchick. Coming up on the show, we're going to have an extended conversation with Florida Panthers head coach Joel Quenville. But first, Edzo, a little time to catch up. You were asking me before we got on about how things are going with my kids. I have three little ones at home at this point, all a little stir crazy. We've told the same stories over and over. They've seen this <laughs> over and over so they've been asking tell us stories about when we were born and i told them and they're pretty normal and i don't want to bore them and i feel like who's got the best one we should just facetime uncle edzo because he <laughs> delivered the best story and now you should deliver it well liam good to be with you pal and i hope your family is doing well uh you know i go back to my uh i have four four kids uh four humans right now i don't call them kids anymore because they're all older so because i'm an old guy but you know, I go back to November 9th of 1990. I'm a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and my wife Diana is pretty pregnant, and she goes into labor the night before a hockey game on November 10th. I was playing for the Leafs. We were playing the Chicago Blackhawks. And back then, guys, everybody out there, we didn't have cell phones back then. At least I didn't have a cell phone. So I had to call and leave a message with the Maple Leafs and let them know that I wasn't going to be at the morning skate the next morning because my wife was going into labor. So we go to the hospital, uh, suburbs of Toronto, Scarborough Centenary Hospital. We're there all night. Diana's not cooperating. We're, in the, we're, we're, we're at the hospital in the morning. She's still not, not cooperating. At about 1.30, 2 o'clock, she's starting to cooperate because I got a game at 8 o'clock. Like, come on, it's Hockey Night in Canada. I got, I got, to, get, I got to get to the rink. And uh, sure enough, we're in the delivery room. And on a scale of 1 to 10, my wife's probably about a 7.5 or an 8, Liam. And all of a sudden... Uh, I get a I get a nurse that comes in and hands me a, a piece of paper, and I'm standing there, and the doctor is at the foot of the bed. He says, "Hold on, let me put my catcher's mitt on," and and I look at this note, and it says the Maple Leafs are on the phone. So I tell the nurse, "Tell him I'll be at the game," and as soon as Diana has the baby, she, the nurse leaves. She comes back ten seconds later. She goes, "Oh, Mr. Olchek, they really want to talk to you." I'm like. What do I do? Liam, what do you do? Your wife had given, had given birth or do you leave and go take a call? I'm Hang like, on a second. Okay, yeah, I call. said, Diana, uh, and I didn't even say I left, so I just left the room right away. <laughs> I, went to, I went to the nurse's station, and uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. The Maple Leafs are on the other phone, and they're like, uh, how's Diana? I said, and it was Bob Stellick who was the head of our media relations department, and Bob says, uh, Eddie, how's Diana? I said, oh, she's fine, Bob. She's having a baby. I'll be at the game. He goes, well, just call us before you come. I go, Bob, I'm not calling you. It's like 4.30. The game's at 8. He goes, well, hold on a second. I'm like, hold on a second. He gives the phone to the general manager of the Maple Leafs, and he says, Eddie, we hate to do this to you, but we just traded you to the Winnipeg Jets. And Liam, I was like, are you really serious? Like, how do I go back in the room and tell my wife we just got traded? 
So I go over to the payphone. I call my dad. I call my agent. I call Mark Osborne, who I got traded with. And I'm like, how am I going to go back in there? So I was maybe gone maybe five minutes, Liam, but it seemed like I was in quarantine for like six weeks. You know what I mean? Like it was just, so I walked back into the room. Nothing had changed. My wife is still there, you know, obviously. And the doctor looks at me like, where in the hell I've been? And my wife is like, where, where have you, where have you been? And I'm like, uh, my aunt's sick. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Right. I, I mean, I fumbled. I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, uh, my aunt's sick. And then she says, uh, where are we going? I'm like, where are we going? We're going to have a baby here. She goes, Wait. and then she, with a more stern voice. Now remember, she's on her back. Yeah. Right? She's getting ready to give birth. And she goes, where are we going? I'm like, I thought it was a game. So I said, guess. <laughs> looked at me, looked at the ceiling, and she goes, Winnipeg. I'm like, pregnant and psychic. Like, what a combination. And I said, I just shook my head. Liam, she shut right down, man. She went, whoa. She went from like an eight to a minus four. Like Thomas Olchek wasn't born for another four hours. Yeah. <laughs> another four you hours. can wait a little longer. Yeah. yeah. So the, 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 doctor nice. took, the doctor took his catcher's mitt off. I gave her a hug. I went back out to the phone, made a few more phone calls. And eventually Thomas Vincent Olchek was born into this world about four hours later. And then the next day I went to Winnipeg, uh, went to actually Chicago to play my first game as a Winnipeg Jet against the Chicago Blackhawks. Incredible. One of my all-time favorite stories. <laughs> and you lean back there, but people didn't get the ball back at home. The first time I heard that story, we were at a restaurant in Pittsburgh and we were not in a private room and you were on the floor pretending to be your wife, playing both roles and the whole room got a show. It was fantastic. And then the next night we're out broadcasting game. Like, I think I saw that guy at the restaurant. Hey, hey, Liam, I'm not as flexible as I used to be. <laughs> exactly. Well, you still tell an incredible story. I, I don't know how we're going to top that, but we're going to try. We will be joined by Joel Quindle, the head coach of the Florida Panthers. And welcome back to Hockey Happy Hour slash Our Lion Starts podcast. So happy to be joined now by Florida Panthers head coach Joel Quindle. Joel, it's great to see you. You know, at this point, let's be honest, there's so much uncertainty. People miss normalcy. I know I, for one, at this point, miss things that I didn't even expect to be missing. Everyone's missing hockey right now. I heard that recently you, you seemed optimistic, at least, that we're moving in the right direction toward hockey eventually returning. What are you hearing that gives you this optimism? Well, I think uh, listening to Gary last week uh, talking about the opportunity of looking at all different scenarios of potentially playing, and uh, whether it's neutral site games or without fans, or and uh, talking with Dale, whether they're having GM meetings with the, with the uh, league as well. Um, players uh, seem like, uh, whether they're talking to players' associations, seems like there's still enthusiasm. It seems like everybody's putting out there is hope that uh, we could resume uh, later on in the summer. Um, I think everybody would like to get back playing. It seems like nobody's, uh, you know, not open to the opportunity. Um, I think it'd be fun for teams like ourselves that are sitting right on a bubble that uh, look like there'd be a chance to play. Um, to give ourselves a chance of playing in the playoffs, which we were looking for at the start of the year. You think of teams like uh, that go to the finals, that it's so hard to get back there again, and we got invested seven-eighths of the season involved, and then you got to wait all that time to get a chance to play for a cup, and now you don't get a chance to play for that cup. It's like like an eternity to get another chance to get back to the playoffs two years removed from a chance that we were really close or so close. And 
Um, and that's a, you know, that's our sport. We play for it. We have a chance for it. And it's an opportunity in a short amount of time to uh, get a real opportunity. And, and I think the games would be meaningful right out of the gate. It'd be, uh, be a fun uh, type of hockey to watch. Um, I'm sure the players would love an opportunity to win a championship. I mean, we put a lot of uh, investment in it so far. And um, well, we'll see what happens. And, you know, we're hoping that uh, it can happen. Hey, Joel, uh, you know, not only a three-time Stanley Cup champion, a head coach with the Chicago Blackhawks, but also you played a long time in the league. I guess thinking about the players and all the time that they've had off, how much time do you think you need as a coach if we do come back and play saying, you know, we haven't been on the ice for 45, 60 days, how long do you think your team or any team in the league would need to get back to at least give every you know team an opportunity to get it back out there and play again, like a training camp. How many days would you? Think? Yeah, it's a good question. I think every you know situation could be different, but I know a lot of our guys have been down in Florida. We've been in a situation where they've been doing something every day. You can get outside. You can do type of different kind of training, whatever you feel you're getting a good workout on, uh, and then you get to back on the ice when you get what you got small groups skating. Uh, but I think once we're together as a team, and if you you know, somebody was saying two to three weeks. I don't think you need that much time. I think the guys would rather play for keeps right out of the gate. Um, you can get them ready in a, in whether it's seven days, uh, you know, whether you, you play a, a scrimmage with uh, another team or you play a, you know, a scrimmage amongst yourselves. Um, or if you're going to play some regular season, that's part of it as well. So I don't think you need that much time because the guys are in pretty good shape. There's not a whole lot of to do, and I think guys have been doing something to keep themselves in relatively good shape. I hear guys are on the inline skates; they got that. They're doing that. Uh, everybody's got a different type of a program. Um, you know, I think every team's different, but our, you know, it seems like there's. I think the players, um, even in training camp, you know, they've shortened camps out the last few years, and I still think that uh, you know some guys, as you, the last week or so, it seems like it goes on a little bit too long. So I don't think you need as much time as the you know as it looks. I think if you could had a week and if it was, you need a day or two after that, it'd be enough. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty around how the league would return if they would finish out the regular season. You mentioned your team on the bubble, but three points outside have played one fewer game than Columbus, which sits in the final wild card spot. Although if it was points percentage, they wouldn't be in the final wild card spot. It's it, it's a puzzle at this point. So if they return and if it goes playoffs I saw that you would be interested in adding teams to the playoffs given your situation that makes sense what would you like to see happen well I think it'd be exciting for the league if there's teams that were on the bubble and they're close and uh and they're going to go to a format right away would it be type of a play-in situation I think that uh you know the, the top couple teams could have buys uh you know the playoff teams that are uh say then you got 20 you can go to 24 um, all those teams that if you went to 24, it looked like they probably could have a push that gives themselves a chance if they did play the remaining games. Um, so there's a number of scenarios. I'm sure the league's talked about uh, every single possible form of uh, resuming play. Um, you know, optimistically, from our point of view, would be, you know, if we went right to the playoffs and they expanded it, you know, we would take that any day of the week. But obviously that's selfishly uh, looking at it. But I know that uh, – I think it'd be fun for the fans. I think there's a lot of markets that are close, and uh, if they get a play play an extra round to uh, find a way to get through the next four rounds, uh, it'd be I think it'd be fair to everybody in this uncertain time. And I think that's uh, you know I don't think you're changing the landscape too much of what it'd take to win a championship. 
How much uh, conversation have you had with other coaches uh, around the league, Joel? I mean, obviously you've been around a long, long time and, uh, you know, have built up relationships, guys that you've played with, guys that you've worked with. You know, just what, what, what are those conversations like and uh, uh, just helping to kill the clock like everybody else, hoping we get back sooner than later? Well, no matter who you talk to, and there's a number of guys you can, you know, whether they're players, they're coaches, there could be a lot of old whalers that are uh, <laughs> around the game as well that, uh, you know, you talk to. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, optimism about playing a little while ago was uh, very low and uh, very trying situations in, the, in a real, uh, not just in the United States, but there's some tough areas in, you know, New York and the different areas around that, uh, you know, going to make it real challenging. But, uh you know, everybody's got a different way of looking at it. You know, how would you, everybody kind of likes speculating, what would the format be? How would you play the playoffs? Uh, how would you have training camp? Uh, you know, how would you, would you change anything systematically in a short amount of time? I think you can do it. Sometimes we feel we can change our system uh, going into a game. So I think those adaptations uh, can happen quickly. Um, and, uh, but you're talking to, you know, you talk to, talk to all our players, um, you know, and Dale, regularly and uh, so we're you know we're, we're kind of shooting to see what happens but I think that uh, you know everybody's got a different way of looking at it I just think the the sense of optimism has definitely turned uh, to a different level in the last little bit well if there is an opportunity that we come back and we go straight to the playoffs maybe we add teams maybe we don't if that's the case let's just say that the regular season for this conversation maybe behind us how would you assess your season in Florida um, I thought we had a uh, a couple of really good stretches this year. We had a couple of really bad stretches. I thought that uh, our motivation was we have to find a way to be a playoff team. We feel that uh, our group was at that stage where, you know, just being close, being close and not gaining that experience of what it takes to be not just making the playoffs, what it takes to win in the playoffs. And uh, I think we're developing uh, some, some form of, uh, you know, being deeper and more competitive uh, game in, game out. I thought our best stretch of being uh, representing that type of a game was our last couple of games. We went in there, won a big, uh, hard game in St. Louis. Um, and I thought there was some progress to our team game in that area. But we went through a stretch where we lost state home games in a row, which was, uh, you know, really put us behind the eight ball because uh, going into the All-Star break, we had a real good spot positionally uh, being a playoff team, and uh, now we're uh, against it. But uh, I think that we've made some progress in some good areas, and uh, I think our defense is, uh, you know, gets, a, gets maybe a bad rap about not being effective. But I think they, they've improved in uh, both sides of the puck. Um, offensively, we don't have a problem scoring goals. Um, you know, goaltending has been ordinary, but I think uh, Bob is, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for him. We get back to, uh, you know, to really be comfortable in the net and uh, be Bob, and I think he can help us as well. Joel, you were voted the NHL's coach of the past decade. I want you to look back, though, right at the beginning of your time in Chicago. You take over, you looked at that team, and you thought, what? Wow. What a hockey team. We had a lot of great, uh, great ingredients. We had a, a lot of depth. We had, uh, I look at the team, uh, you know, we had some real young guys that uh, had a ton of talent, very competitive group, deep. Um, we're ready to take that next step. And, and then quickly uh, that year, we, uh, a lot of things happened in a real positive way. Uh, got, uh, got three rounds lost in the conference finals to Detroit that year. Um, but there was a lot to learn, and I thought the guys were uh, very receptive in a lot of ways. But what a what a talented group, and uh, 
and competitive. And uh, for a team that looked like it was highly skilled, it was a scrappy team that uh, really was underrated in that department. So fun team to coach and work with, and, uh, and it was fun being around that group. Well, three championships with the Blackhawks, Joel. Uh, one guy I want to ask you about, uh, Joel, is Dustin Bufflin. Uh, he's been in the news, obviously, this year when he walked away from the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, and uh, they finally have uh, got a, a settlement there, and uh, he's not with the Winnipeg Jets anymore. I just want to ask you about Big Buff back in the day, because you had him at forward uh, with early in his days with the Chicago Blackhawks. Just talk about how he was with you then and how he has evolved over his career and become really obviously an impact player until he uh, took a step back last year. One of my all-time favorites. Um, Buff was one of those guys you really had an appreciation for. Um, I loved the way he approached the game. He had fun all the time. Um, was definitely one of the guys. Uh, he had a unique and he's a special player that had a unique talent. Um, unbelievable uh, skill level for a big man. Um, you know, you, you had to appreciate Buff for, for, for how he approached the game. Um, we had the fortunate uh, ability to put him up front, but sometimes when we played him up front, we'd put him in front of the net for the PP. I mean, it was unbelievable how it'd be a distraction for goalies. Um, we had flexibility sometimes. We put him back on D. Um, we won that cup that year. He was up front the most, most of the time. Um, you know, he's imposing on forwards, uh, you know, even when he's playing D, you got to keep your head up, but he's one of those guys that, uh, what an ingredient to have that size and the skill and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, what a, what a, what a great teammate. Um, and when we had to lose him there, the, the free agency, it was like one of those guys, we, we had so many key guys that we had to make decisions on. The one guy you definitely missed was Buff, and uh, you know, I, I was root for him and, uh, and, and visit him and when we do get to see him and play him. Um, and, and also I do, I just laugh about Buff because he's one of those guys that, uh, wow, he's got a lot of good stories about Buff. They're all, they're all, they're all true. <laughs> Joel, Joel, I got, I got to ask you, uh, Liam teased it before our uh, last commercial break. Uh, you're, you're a big horse guy as, as I am. And uh, this is obviously it's uh, a different dynamic now in, in all of sports. I mean, the world we live in now, but I want to ask you specifically about horse racing you know, you're a big derby guy. You've been to derby a bunch of times. With the derby being pushed back as late as it is now, is you as a horse guy and an owner and a handicapper, how do you think that affects the big picture if indeed we do have the Kentucky Derby come the first Saturday in September, not the first Saturday in May? Right. Well, it's, it's totally different. I mean, you've got a lot of horses right now that aren't even getting a chance to run, um, you know, with the three tracks going with Tampa, Florida, and, and uh, Oakland. I mean, they're not racing in the big markets uh, in New York and California. Um, so there's probably a lot of horses that we don't know if they're going to get a chance to get ready, get points uh, that can qualify. But it definitely changes the uh, the thought process. A lot of trainers, a lot of owners about uh, getting their horses uh, ready at a later date. Is there going to be an opportunity to qualify for that derby September? Um, you know, is there going to be fans at the Derby? There's a number of things. Uh, I think they've got a lot of challenges, like every sport does, of thinking about how, how they're going to make their big days work and uh, that goal about whether it's Breeders' Cup or the Derby. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think most horse owner, you want your horses running. You want to do what's best for the animals. You want to make sure that they're getting proper care. you got to take care of them morning, noon, and night anyways. Um, the fact that they get them running, I think it's best for them. And 
I think the sport, uh, you know, it'd be a clear picture about uh, who's de definitely going to be ready and able to qualify. But it's, uh, it looks like it's Bobby's year with uh, the quantity and quality <laughs> of his three-year-olds. Man, he's got a crop that he could be the top five favorites in the, in the race. Yeah, Bob Baffert certainly uh, locked and loaded, getting ready for the Derby. And your owner, obviously, Vinny Viola, a big horse racing guy. He won the Kentucky Derby a couple of years ago with Always Dreaming, and he won the Breeders' Cup Classic this last fall. But, Joel, I got I to take you back. I don't know if you remember this story, but I, I just want to see if you do. So go back to the late 90s. You're coaching the St. Louis Blues. You're in a hotel in Los Angeles. And I happened to be in town playing there the night before. And I was at the racetrack that day, and I said, you know what? I don't know Joel Quinville. I don't know if he knows who Eddie Olchek is, but you know what I'm going to do? I heard he's a horse racing guy. So I got a horse racing paper, a daily racing form, which is kind of the Bible for horse players. And I found out what room you were in. And I actually slid it under your door while you were coaching a game against the L.A. Kings. And I was like, you know what? From one horse player to another – and uh, what, do you remember that? And what was it like? That wasn't the only time you did that, Eddie. You did that regularly. And it was always an appreciation. Thank you. I mean, that'd be, forget room service, man. You get the daily racing. <laughs> that, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Joel, you seem like you'd be a great guy to go to the track with. But I feel like it'd be fun to go to just about any sporting event with you. Because, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, it was actually just a few weeks after you were let go by the Blackhawks. I was doing a Sunday night football game in Chicago, the Bears and the Vikings, and some things start popping up on social media. Hey, someone says Q is out in the parking lot. I said, I don't know. Let's let's verify this before we start going with it. And then there's video of you out there with a bunch of Bears fans outside Soldier Field, you know, putting a couple shots down with the guys enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah, that's all-time all -time hockey right there. It was fun. It was a great night. I was with my wife, my my son, my daughter were with us, and uh, we had a bunch of their friends we were hanging out with uh, going into the game, and it was a uh, – Bears uh, played well. Um, but it, it was like, okay. But it was hey, – it was you know, it was one night to, to get out. I, I was always going at least one or two Bears game a day or a week, a year, and uh, we'd always spend at least a, a little tailgate uh, when it was time. Yeah, all-timing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did it feel good to get back? I mean, the fans gave you so much over your time there. Was it good to be just out there with the fans? Oh, the fans have been great. The uh, fans uh, in Chicago have been outstanding. Uh, the support that they gave us over the course of those 10 years was tremendous. Uh, you know, it was, it was a special uh, day when we were back there uh, uh, in, uh, in November. Um, and uh, I should say in January. And uh, we're, uh, you, you look at it, then it's almost like, okay, those were uh, special moments, a special place to play as a uh, coach. Uh, and uh, it's, 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 it's was, was one of those, I want to say years, 10 years, it was like, uh, you know, always seemed like one uh, step, the next step was even better than the prior steps. But it was a, uh, you know, nothing but great uh, things to say about the Blackhawk organization from top to bottom. I was privileged to coach some of the golf time great players. Now you guys recruited Sharpie there. I was I was watching our game there a couple of weeks ago. I was watching uh, the game with Philly, um, and I remember telling uh, well Sharpie that was Sharpie's best game I ever seen him play that night or that day, and uh, he was uh, you know and it was one of those games. It was a huge game. He was a former Flyer, so it was fun to see him uh, play that game. I saw the game the other day against Tampa. Um, and those games, I never watched the last game of the year. So it was like, we don't have to prepare after it. So it's like, okay. And and then I got to see uh, how exciting it was at the United Center the other day. That was, you know, good memories, great memories. Uh, winning in Chicago was special. Um, 
they're all great. I always found that the first parade in 2010 might have been the most memorable moment about the whole experience. Um, but I can go on for a while about uh, how much fun it was. But uh, special, special times. Thank you. You know, I think we all love Sharpie. Uh, that being said, before he arrived, I got to stand next to Milbury and Jonesy. And by comparison, I looked great. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just a disaster. It's all downhills. <laughs> but uh, listen, someone asked, uh, they put it on social media uh, about a week ago. Give me one very small, very specific thing that you're missing about sports right now. And I put out there that one of the things I'm missing, and it's very, it's very tiny detail, was at the end of bench interviews, someone would say, thanks, Joel, and you would say, you betcha. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be pretty. Thank you. You betcha. We've got to stick with it. Thanks a lot, Joel. All right, you betcha. you got to be a little tighter together. Thanks very much, Joel. You betcha. Specific thing, and <laughs> I loved it, and it's the way you ended it, and I'm wondering... Where does you bet? I need the background story. Is this something you've been saying your whole no, life? No, I got it from Dave Babich, I think. Eddie, you might have been with yeah, Babich. sure. Winnipeg. But he used to always say you betcha. And I don't even know how it came out. And I say it. I don't say it all the time, but I do say it. But it's, uh, I don't know if it's a horse racing term, but I'm going to blame Babich for that. Good <laughs> <laughs> enough. Well, listen, Joel, uh, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for doing this. Stay well, stay safe. And I, I know uh, Edzo and I can't wait to see uh, hockey back and see you back behind the bench. Thanks, Joel. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Liam. Eddie, thanks. I thought you'd end it with you, Betcha. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> go, go.